in preparing you for this sermon, I would encourage you to turn, I guess you could say Matthew 6, but we're going to be in many passages. It might help you to take notes and write down a lot of references and go back and look at those references, look at those passages of Scripture that I'm going to refer to this morning. I'm going to read a couple verses in just a few minutes, but I'm going to read a lot of verses throughout. I wish to whet an appetite in your heart and soul. I wish to whet an appetite in your being for the living God through the means of taking a time away from eating that you might say, oh God, I long to hunger for you more than I hunger for the meal I just skipped. A few months ago, we were driving home from church. Molly was working at the hospital, which means I was responsible for making sure the family was fed that afternoon even though she still takes responsibility. I told Barnabas that we had leftover pizza at home and I was having lunch with someone else and he said, I don't need to eat anything. Dad, I'm fasting today. Oh, I said, are you doing that for some health reason? Or I asked, no, he replied. I've been thinking about what Jesus said. He said, when you fast, and he said, I haven't fasted before, so I thought I should learn to fast. And he's referring to the words in the Sermon on the Mount, in which we'll see in just a few minutes. How would, you, how would I describe how I felt at that moment when I heard him say that? Pleased, blessed, encouraged, impressed, and I guess you'd say challenged. I had to say to myself, Daniel, you've intermittent fasted through the years, and you've done some prolonged long fasts for health benefits, But what about Christian fasting? I also remember that over the last few months, that same son asked me, Dad, will you preach a sermon on fasting? I've never heard a sermon on it, and I want to learn more. Will you do so? So in almost 21 years of being a pastor, I think that this is my first sermon request from my kids. I'll find out later if that's actually true. And I'm seeking to grant that request this morning, and I hope and I believe it will be a benefit to you as it has been to me. If you search YouTube with the word fasting, you could scroll and scroll and scroll videos on health fasting. They're talking about fasting from a perspective of its health benefits. I want to talk to you about the pra- a practice towards godliness, fasting for spiritual health. What does it mean to fast? I'm talking about Christian fasting, not health fasting or intermittent fasting. Christian fasting is voluntarily going without food, or let me add this, or any other regularly enjoyed good gift 
from God. Food is a good gift from God, not bad. It's a blessing. But to voluntarily go without it for a season for the sake of some spiritual purpose. It's abstinence from food or something else for a spiritual purpose. Or as John Piper said it, fasting is temporary renunciation of something that is very good in and of itself, like food, in order to, I want you to hear these words, in order to intensify our expression of need for something greater. Let me say that. It is to say no to something in order to intensify our expression, our, oh God, I want to, and I want to say it really badly, really deeply, really truly, that I want something greater than what I'm saying no to right now, namely God and his work in our lives. Jesus fasted. You remember Luke 4? It says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan after he was baptized. He was led into the, into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, and it says for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he, these are the words of Luke, he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. In Matthew 4, it says he fasted for 40 days. Do Christ followers, that's who we are if we're truly saved, do Christ followers fast? I, I called my very godly, wise, and loving fa- earthly father, I called him this week and we talked and I asked him, have you ever fasted? And he said, Daniel, to be honest, I remember one time in my life. I don't remember the reason why I fasted. It was probably for a few days. I remember it being a good experience, but really that's the only time that I fasted. I wonder if I asked you that question, have you fasted? I, I, I thought about asking you to all bow your heads so that nobody feels like they're in worry of bragging about fasting and asked you to raise your hand if you've ever spiritually fasted before. I'm not going to do that. But my guess is that most of you probably have not. I don't remember, even though I grew up in a Christian home, went to church three or four times a week, and probably more than that because I went to a Christian school that had chapel all of the time. I don't remember ever hearing my pastor or youth pastor or teachers preach or teach on fasting until I was in seminary and our pastor preached on this. Do you want to know where I learned about fasting the most? The Bible. Good place. It's all over. Do Christians or Christ followers fast? Well, according to the reformers like Calvin or Luther or the Puritans or the early Christians that settled this nation or the church throughout history and the early fathers, they believed it wholeheartedly. Yes, they did fast. Do New Testament Christians fast? Some have said, no, that's an Old Testament practice. In the New Testament, we don't fast. I want to... Here's my answer to the question, do Christians fast? My answer will be yes. 
in the New Testament, it is not commanded. And so I'm not going to say to you, you have to fast. Like I have to say, you have to obey your parents, children, and you have to pray. The Bible tells us to do those things, and I get to tell you, you have to. God calls you to. The Bible doesn't say you have to fast. It doesn't command fasting. It commends fasting. Let me, let me show you just quickly a few instances of New Testament fasting. Jesus in Matthew 6, 16, that's where I told you to turn. Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head with and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Now, we could preach a whole sermon on that passage. That's not my goal this morning. But I want you to note, he said, didn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. He assumed we would fast. And he warns them, don't fast in a way that you're trying to get attention. And so everybody will pat you on the back and say, oh boy, you are such a good Christian. I'm so proud of you. Praise you. Instead, He's not saying you have to always do it in secret. No, because we're going to see in Acts, they did it together. It was a a corporate fast. But he says, you do it in such a way that what you care about is the reward from your father. That's That's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And then Jesus has a discussion as John's disciples come to him in Matthew 9 and say, Jesus, why do the Pharisees fast and all of John the Baptist's disciples fast? But your disciples, Jesus, don't fast. Why? What, What gives? Jesus answers, he says, truly I say to you, he said, no, he says this, he says, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? He says, I'm the bridegroom. If you're at a wedding, do you fast? No, you feast. You're with me, they're with me. And And then he says this, The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away. Then they will fast. He could refer to he will be taken away and that he will be arrested and go to the cross and die. He won't be with them anymore. It includes that, but I believe he means that he will ascend to heaven. He will no longer be with us and then we will fast. The third and last illustration is in the book of Acts in verse chapter 13, and Paul and Barnabas are on fire for God, along with this church in Antioch, and they gather together, and I want you to hear in Acts 13 too, it says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, while they were worshiping and fasting, set apart Paul and Barnabas or Barnabas and Saul, he was called Saul at the time, for the work to which I have called them. And it says, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And we're saved today because of it. That was the beginning of 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 the Christian missionary movement. We're saved because Europe, the gospel was spread all over Europe through these men, beginning of their missionary work, because 
a church fasted and prayed. Okay, why should Christians fast? I need to answer that question to you. Well, in the Old Testament, we, have, we find that God had his people, Israel, fast one time a year at least. And that was they would afflict themselves once a year on the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16. Moses fasted on Mount Sinai when he was getting the law and when he was interceding for his rebellious, the Israelites, because they built a golden calf. In the book of Judges, the people fasted to inquire direction from God. What do we do? Our enemies are against us. And in 1 Samuel 7, as they repented of sins and they longed for deliverance against an enemy that was about to kill them, they fasted. Hannah fasted when she was barren and longed for a child. David fasted when his son was dying in 2 Samuel 1. And David fasts and begs for mercy. David fasted when he mourned for his father-in-law who died, King Saul. Ahab, wicked Ahab, is so rebellious, he hears that he's going to be judged by God, and what does he do? He gets on his knees, and he spends a time in fasting and praying and asking God for mercy, and God gives it to him. Nehemiah, a leader, fasts when he hears how bad Jerusalem was condition-wise, and he asks for mercy, and he confesses sins and fasts. In 2 Chronicles 20, the king Jehoshaphat, a godly king, sees that there's no way he'll live because the enemies are going to destroy him, and he declares a fast, and he seeks the Lord. And we find that over and over again. Esther, as she sees that the Jews are going to be killed by Haman's plan, we find that Daniel fasts in the book of Daniel. Darius, the king who throws Daniel in the lion's den, fasts when he throws Daniel and prays that God would deliver him. Jonah tells Nineveh that they are going to be destroyed. And so what does this pagan nation do? They humble themselves and they fast. And then there's dear Anna who's in the temple. She was a widow for only seven years. Her husband, or she, she, was a wit, she was only married for seven years. Her husband dies and for the rest of her life, she regularly comes to the temple fasting and praying, looking for the redemption of Israel. And she sees it when Jesus comes in Luke chapter 2. Jesus begins his ministry, 40 days of fasting. Jesus, as we just saw, assumes in the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to fast. And he says, the bridegroom's going to go away, then they'll fast. In the book of Acts, we see fasting, as we just saw. And in Acts 14, the elders, when when selecting elders in churches, Paul and Barnabas fasted. And can I say that whatever was written in former days, like all those instances of fasting, was written for our instruction, Romans 15, 4, that through the endurance and encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope and have example and instruction. Back to the definition of Christian fasting. Christian fasting is a temporary renunciation of something good like food. So it might be, I'm not going to eat this morning and lunch and supper, and I won't eat until tomorrow for the purpose to intensely express to God 
that you want something greater. And what is that? I want to answer the question of why fast with three categories. You should fast for three reasons if you fast, at least these things. And I want you to think of them in these categories. Number, And I want you to think of them in two sets of three. One is in regards to upward, inward, and outward. I, my relationship with God, my relationship to myself, and my relationship with one another or the world around me, I'm going to fast. I'm going to, I'm going to fast with a mindfulness towards my relationship with God, my relationship with me, my, what's going on in my heart, and towards my family, my church, my world, my, my trials, anything that's going on, things that I'm burdened for. Let me give you three things with that in mind. Number one, fasting can be an intensified expression in pursuit of, of a holy, number one, a holy discontentment. Let me say it this way. You should fast because you long for more. Godliness, okay, Paul said to Timothy, godliness with contentment, it's great gain. We want contentment in God. So there is a side in the Christian life where we should be really content and it's a gift from God and it's a fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And there's another side which we should go, I'm not content and that is a fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Let me explain to you this. We are to be content with what God brings, including the afflictions and trials and difficulties. As we grow more satisfied in Him, trusting in Him and hoping in Him. And yet, there is a discontentment that we should have in which we say, Oh God, I have tasted of you. And I am not satisfied, but it has only wet my taste buds, and I need to have more of you upward. My relationship with you is not where it needs to be. I want more of you. That is a good thing, a good discontentment. Or, God, as I look at myself in the mirror, I've been a, I've been a Christian now for 35 years and I'm not very impressed by how far I've grown. I still have so much pride welling in my heart. I have so much speech in my words that is not pleasing to you. I have so many reasons to be grateful, and I'm not grateful. I, I look to so many other things, and I don't find my help in you far too often. As I look at myself inward, I have a deep need to grow more or outward. I look around and I see my family and my church and my world and my neighborhood, and I don't just kind of ignore it. I go, I have a deep burden for you to bring your power and your change in his and her life in a deeper way. I'm, I'm not going to be satisfied with just wanting my kids to just not go to jail. I want them to know and love Jesus Christ. I want my friends in church. I want my neighbors. I want my parents. I want others in my life transformed. I am not content with the status quo because you have put a hunger and a burden in my life. 
There is a tasting and seeing of God's goodness that should make us discontent with the status quo, but make us desire him more. Fasting is a way of us saying, God, I long to long for you more, this much, O God. As I forego this meal or these meals, and I quickly realize how I get so much satisfaction in those meals, I cry out to you and say, oh God, give me a deeper hunger for you than I have for the hunger I'm feeling in my stomach for supper. Skipping a meal or two will not make you desire God, but it might show you how weak your faith and your desire for God is compared to your physical appetite. I should want and you should want Psalm 27 to be ringing in our lives. One thing have I asked of the Lord, this is what I seek after. Not another meal, not another Netflix binge or a gaming time session, but I want to see and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, Psalm 27. Or like Psalm 42, struggling and depressed psalmist, yet still says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. My, like a deer panting for the water, I pant for you, oh God. I pant for lunch and I'm skipping lunch. God, help me to have a holy dissatisfaction, discontentment, because I want to want you more. The psalmist says in Psalm 16, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. I like my breakfast, but I really want to breathe and eat of you, oh God. We could, we want, I want to know truly what God says in Deuteronomy 8 and what Jesus quotes when he's fasting, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm not content. We should, and I hope we would be able to say, I am not content with my relationship with you, God. I want to know you more. I'm not content with my holiness, I long for you to change me. I long for you to change my life and my family and my kids and my church and, not my, and my friends. Not because I just want to be a fretting, dissatisfied, discontented person. It's because you are shaping my values and I want you to get the glory. Let me say it this way. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray when they asked him, what did, they, what did he say to them? Would you pray this way? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a sense in which as we go to fast, we say, oh God, your name isn't hallowed like it needs to be in my life and in my heart. It is not being praised and honored and glorified in faith church like it needs to, and in our family like it needs to, and in our marriage like it needs to, and in my singleness as it needs to, or in my workplace as it needs to, or on our street like it needs to, or in our school like it needs to. And oh God, 
I just hunger for you to hail your name here, to, to cause your kingdom to come, your will be done. Our praying that is saying, I am not satisfied with the way things are. There is a righteous discontentment that Christians are to have and yearn for. How would you feel if someone said, I really have no desire to grow in my relationship with my spouse. It's perfect. You go, I'm really concerned by that question, that attitude. You should long to do that. And so I'm going to commend you fasting. I'm going to get to some practical things at the end. But one to say, God, I want to I grow and I want to express through fasting. I want to express that I want you. And I want to grow my wanting of you because it's, it's still too weak through fasting. Number two, we should fast as a way of expressing and intensifying this reality, our desperate dependence on God. I call us as a church to fast Because you and I are powerless, and he is absolutely powerful. We fast because we are desperate. We're desperate in our relationship with God. We're desperate in our relationship of even understanding ourselves and with the world around us. We should fast because we know that the things that need to happen, we ultimately cannot do. I am impotent. He is omnipotent. I am nothing. He must do what needs to be done. I am a, a father, and I am a pastor, and I'm a husband, and I'm a Christian. I'm a neighbor. I'm a son. I have all of these, t- these roles that I am called to live out, and so do you, and frankly, As a follower of Jesus Christ, it's a big responsibility to represent the name of Christ and to be used by Christ to show him to the world, and there's no way we can do it in our own strength. Why do you think Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, starts his ministry and he goes into the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit, while he was tempted at the end, I think he was fellowshipping with God in desperate dependence upon God and his Spirit. We must be like Jacob in in Genesis 32 in which he wrestled with God, a form of God and this person across the river and he said to him, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. There is a sense in which we fast saying, oh God, I just need your blessing because if you don't bless me, As a dad today, if you don't bless me as a mom, if you don't bless me as a young person, a disciple, as I finish high school, I'll just mess this up. I need you every hour. I'll list some needs that I'm desperately dependent on. I need, as, as as a father, and this is true of every parent, we need our kids to change because they're not where they need to be. And we can't change them. Only God does. I, we heard the announcement last week. I have grand, a grandchild coming. You have grandchildren. We have needs and longings for our kids to grow and be responsible. Oh God, there's a reason to fast. Desperately dependent on you to do a work. 
I'm called a shepherd. 170 of us attend regularly there's, or sit in this room on each Sunday, and there's about 225 to 250 of us counting kids. How in the world will I give an account to God? I better desperately, dependently express my need. And what about you? You have all of those different needs and responsibilities in your life. Maybe there's a particular marriage you're burdened about, or it's your own marriage. The salvation of someone close. I hope you have them in your life. The state of this church. There's a lot of things to fast about for this church in our desperate dependence. We need to do a lot better in our evangelism. Our engagement in the community as lights in the world. Our sacrificial love. Our financial giving and mission for the Christ in the world. Our missionaries. Health issues that are going on. And we, when we fast, are saying, God... I recognize that I need you more than I need to eat right now. Have you ever been so burdened in such a need that you said, I can't even think about food? Food at a time like this? Oh, I have such a need and I need to cry out to you. There was a story in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, when Jesus had gone up into a mountain with Peter and John, and he transfigured himself, and he came down, and the rest of the disciples had tried to cast out a demon because a father brought a son had a demon, and they couldn't do it, and Jesus does it. And the disciples said, why couldn't we cast out this demon? Jesus' response is, this kind, this kind cannot happen apart from prayer. And some of the old translations say, and fasting. And I think Jesus is saying, there is a faith you need that you lack. And it happens as you get on your knees and you cry out in prayer and fasting to God, saying, God, oh, how I need you. You and I need guidance. We need to be like Paul and Saul in the church when we have issues and struggles. We... Would it be a weird thing for us? Oh, we're having a members meeting and we have an annual budget. Let's take a meal or two and fast and cry out to God for provision, wisdom, and guidance. Should the leaders of our church be called to fast on a regular basis? Yes, we should. What about you in times of need and peril? If you say, I desperately need you, I am powerless, you are powerful. Oh God, thank you. I think of Hannah brokenhearted and barren. I know that some of you have and do bear the burden of that. And God in his grace comes and sometimes he answers and sometimes he says, no, I'm going to make you fruitful in other ways. And you won't see that for time. But Hannah cried out to God and fasted. Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20 is overwhelmed with such a need and he doesn't know what to do. But his eyes are on God And he did it by saying, we all need to get on our knees and we need to fast. The Apostle Paul was given a thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 12 says. It says, three times I asked the Lord that he would remove this trial or affliction from me. Have you had a trial or affliction in your life that you've asked God to remove? For Paul, he said, three times I asked the Lord that he would remove it. And I don't think Paul just said day one, God, would you take it away? And then he went away. And then the next day he did it in three days and that's it. I I think it's probably three seasons and I would not be surprised, though it doesn't say this, 
that he fasted and cried out to God in a season of, God, I surrender to you. Show me what you want. And God did. God didn't give Paul what he asked for. He gave him better than he asked for. He showed him my strength, my power, my glory will be displayed in your weakness. So much so that Paul says, I rejoice, I rejoice and I boast and I thank God that he has shown me this, that when I am weak, he is strong. Say this, we fast because we're weak and we fast because we need to be hungry, hungry for the right things. Let me give you the last reason I wanna give to you Fast as an intensifying and an expression, something we want to express to God as well as we want to grow in our lives. Number three, gospel humiliation. Now that's, nobody says, nobody thinks of, I want to be humiliated as a good thing. It's an old term. There is a sense in which it is a good thing for us to embrace a gospel humiliation. Or let me say it this way, fast as a way to humble yourself before the Lord. I want to say this. You will not be accepted before God as righteous and be made his child because you fast. Please hear that. You are never justified or cleansed, or washed clean, or made holy because you fast. Please hear that. You are holy and right before God because Jesus Christ, the Holy One, came and died for your sins and offers you the free gift of eternal life as you receive Him having repented of your sins. Please hear the gospel, but I want you to think in terms of this way. It is a gift of God to us when we grow in our lives with a type of good news so gripping us that humbles us, that's the word humiliation, it humbles us, showing us regularly, I would never meet the approval of God if it was based on me. And so I praise God even the more for what Jesus has done for me. Fasting is an act of faith-filled repentance. And we find that throughout the scriptures. They realized their sin and they put on sackcloth and ashes and they fasted. They cried out to God and said, oh God, I need you. I need you to show me my heart and I need you to reveal my sin. I need you to help me with my sin. I desperately need you and I humble myself before you. I would say that the first two points, these all overlap Saying, God, I need you and I'm not satisfied with you like I need to. That's a way of humbling yourself. And when you say, I need you because I'm powerless and you're powerful, that's a way of humbling yourself. And it's a way of looking in the mirror and saying, oh God, my sorrow over sin is too small. I still am swelled up with pride I have pride and it fuels my anger, it fuels my fears, my resentment towards others, my disdain for others, my judgmentalism that I show far too often. I'm far too self-righteous. Oh, help me to see that I am weak. I'll tell you the humbling effect of taking some meals off to show you how unspiritual you really are. 
James said, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Fasting has been an expression, both Old and New Testament, of a way in which God's people humble themselves before, the God, and, before God and say, Oh God, have mercy. I love you and I confess my sins. Oh, help me to feel the need that I have for you and to see my sin that I might fight it. I can't imagine that everybody in this church has taken care of the sin problems in your life. Paul says that we are to put to death sin in our life to kill it, to go after it, to make war on it, to mortify it. Fasting can be a way of actually fueling our sin by getting real proud about how good I am at doing these things. Don't do that. And fasting can also be a way in which we get on our knees and say, oh God, show me my pride. Show me how every day I don't believe you like I need. Show me Would you expose the way I spend my money and my priorities? Show me by not eating how much I really am spiritually poor and unhealthy and give me grace in Jesus Christ. So when should Christians fast? We're free to fast and we're not bound to fast. We are commanded to pray, but we're not directly commanded to fast. But I do hope you will say to yourself, as painfully as it sounds, why would I not want to fast? As I look back in the instruction and the history of God's people and Jesus and the apostles and the testimony of the church, and I've seen that they cry out to God and they say, this much, oh God, I'm weak, but I want to hunger for you and I need you to do a work in my family and in this situation, I need your guidance here. And oh God, as I look at my own heart, I need you. When should we fast? Probably when we're convicted that it would please, I would say, first of all, we should do it if we're convicted that it would be pleasing for God to do it pleasing to God for us to do it. And to know that something pleases God and not to do it, that is sin. We should fast when we're broken. Let me just, I'm gonna say we should fast. Let me just soften should because I just do not wanna bind on your conscience that you have to, okay? Please don't do this. I don't wanna do that. But let me say we should fast or at least pray urgently, but I would say fasting is one of the ways in which we pray urgently, We should fast when we are broken over sin or we long to be broken over sin. Have you ever found yourself going, I know I'm a sinner, but I wish I felt like it because I feel so cold and I don't feel like sin affects me like it should. Fast. Have accountability partner to help you. Fast. We should fast or at least pray when we find ourselves feeling a lack of zeal for God and his kingdom. How's your zeal meter? Are you so excited about the things of God or you find yourself going, 
Not really. We should fast when we, or pray hard, earnestly, when we find ourselves loving the world and the things in this world, the possessions of this world, the activities of this world that are unrelated to the things of God more than we love God and his will and Jesus Christ. We should fast when we need guidance over something especially really important, really deeply important. Change of jobs, change of church, change of career, major decisions. Oh God, I need help. I need, I'm going to cry out to you. We should fast when we come to a Red Sea experiences, meaning I don't know where to go and I feel like doom is on every side of me. God, I need you because if you don't come through, I'm undone. God's going to put you in those places if he hasn't already. Maybe you're there right now. I'm not saying you have to fast, but that might be a reason to fast. Or it may be a time to fast when you're longing for things and you want to spend more time and intensity crying out, oh God, I need to pray truly for this son, this daughter, this parent, this situation in church, the state of our church, my own heart. We should fast when we're burdened for God to work in another person's life, and we should fast or consider fasting when we feel enslaved to sin. Addiction, pornography, addiction to food, some other thing that just enslaves you. Get help from a Christian brother or sister to help with that fight, but maybe you'd consider fasting. And we should probably, we should privately fast, like the passage I read, Matthew 6, where he says, don't make it look like you're fasting, so people will go, man, you're so really good, you're fasting, because you look so gaunt. And we should probably fast together if we want to follow the patterns of Scripture. The Acts 13, they were together fasting. There's times in which throughout the church, something happens in our country or in our culture where leaders would say, church, I call you to fast this Wednesday. Leader, church, we have something major going on. A brother or sister is in a devastating situation. I call you to fast, and we would have the tools to go. I know what he means. Yeah, let's do it. So how should Christians fast? How? I'm just, I, I came across David Mathis is a, a pastor and quaint, acquaintance in, in Minneapolis, and he wrote this in a blog once. He said, Here, here's something fasting for beginners. I'm just going to list them. Start small. Don't start with a week of fasting, guys, okay? Don't go, I'm going to do seven days of fasting or 40 days of fasting like Jesus. Maybe skip a meal or skip two meals. Say, eat supper tonight and say, or on a night and say, I'm not going to eat a breakfast and lunch and I'll wait till the next day. And, and I'm, start small. Skip lunch and pray. Number two, plan what you'll do instead of eating. Take a prayer walk. Maybe have your journal or a prayer book and use that to pray and to help you pray with the word of God. And pray. Take the time in which you would normally eat and when you find yourself hungry, going, oh, I want a snack. Oh, I'm fasting. 
oh, a reminder. Why am I doing this? I want to hunger for God more. I, I long for him to work in this person's life. I long for, for this terrible habit that's just so unhelpful in my life or really destructive in my life. I cry out to you, oh God, and spend that time plan what you'll do instead of eating. Consider, number three, how it'll affect others. Oh, we had this, don't do it when you have a family meal coming up, but plan it and maybe do it together. And try different kinds of focuses in fasting. Maybe one time you'll, you're focused on a particular relationship that you have that you're burdened for. Maybe your relationship with God or someone else, your son or daughter, or a marriage, or your marriage, or the church. Please fast for Faith Church. We don't have it together. We need God's grace. Fast for our youth group. That's a request. Fast for the Max in Cameroon and for Tom Steller who's got cancer and for those burdens that are around you. You got them. You have a handful of reasons why you could fast. And then I want to say number five, fast from something other than food. I know that some of you will say, I can't for health reasons, pastor. That's okay. Uh, Choose something else that you normally love to do or maybe extremely simplify your food so that you can technically eat and fulfill your diet, but it's not real enjoyable, so that you remind yourself, I'm not doing this to pay for my sins or to make God love me more, but as an expression of fasting. Maybe it's no TV when I normally do watch TV in the evenings, or no social media, or no video games, or something like that to say, I'm going to fast for that in order to which are not in bad in of themselves, but for the sake of a spiritual purpose. As we conclude, Jesus said in answer to the question, why do, why do your disciples not fast? Can the guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Is that a prediction? Is that a prophecy? Is that just a a good guess that will happen? Will you be the they in that phrase? Then they will fast. Will you fast together as a church? saying, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done, O God. Give us daily bread, and this is a specific way we need daily bread. I want to conclude with this as a a, a commercial and pointer to next week. It would be imbalanced for me to preach a sermon on fasting and just move on. This Sunday is, why do Christ followers fast? Next week is, why do Christ followers feast? That's good timing because we got Thanksgiving coming. And I hope you see that fasting in which we say no 
We say no because we have such a rich God who is so glorious, who is so much better than food, who is better than life itself and so satisfying that we say, oh God, I do not live by bread alone. I live by the very word that comes from the mouth of God and I'm gonna live forever and I'm gonna be with you and I wanna know you. I am not satisfied with the way I am. Oh God, come, bring glory in my life. Bring it in my family. Bring it in my church Oh God, you are so good and I want to see it and taste it and know that you're good way more than all of the riches of food that I enjoy in this life. May God help us. Let's pray. Father, oh, we're going to sing how we need you. Oh, we need you. So God, I pray that you would, you would protect our hearts from any legalistic way of thinking that we can get saved and in a position of right with you by just afflicting ourselves. But instead, I pray that we'd rejoice that your son is our savior, and he's gone, and we are hungry for him to come and work in us. We're homesick for him to return. I pray that either we will fast or we will pray with fast-like intensity. And this church would be filled with teenagers and great-grandparents and everywhere in between people who are really holy and righteously unsatisfied. And they ex- express it, and they intensify it by seeking you with all their heart. I pray that you would answer the prayer-filled fasts of your people that you would put in Faith Church. I pray that people would be saved because we fast and seek you. I pray that our church would grow spiritually and deeply and richly and glorify you and hallow your name and be a light to your kingdom in a greater way because we fasted and prayed. I pray that our hearts would be humbled and we would enjoy the grace of humility in our life because we did something like fasting. Protect us from pride and give us great joy in your grace that someday we will never ever fast or need to fast because we will eat at your banquet and we will rejoice in you forever because of your son Jesus. In his name I pray, amen.